Welcome to I Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, perennial favorite, and the Portland proper pog pop biannual invitational, Jeremy Ruggles. And of course, we're also joined by the relentless dancer of the tango, Peter Cook. <laughs> I just can't stop that tango. And I eat mangoes. Ooh. And then we are also we have we have a first on this show. This is the first time we've had a return guest. Well, not necessarily the first. John Olson did a couple episodes with us, but that was all in one sitting. This is the first time we've had a return guest over the span of a few weeks. Welcome back, Trevor Coleman, who is also Treasure for the Kentucky Guardians of Dream Cessation. <laughs> nice. I am. That's what's up. Yep, it's true. true Welcome fact. back, Trevor. I love Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't it's love a good Kentucky? Yeah. How's the tap water in Kentucky? It might be good. River Valley? You know, getting it from that Ohio River? I don't know. If it's good enough for horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they raise good horses down there. They got to have good water for them. You know, my sister's in Cincinnati. They're probably drinking the same water over there. I have to ask. Yeah, it's got to be pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll get an update in the third episode that we bring you in for. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll let you know. Full report. So, Trevor, we I I asked you what records you might want to talk about if you were able to pick one for an episode, and you dropped the perfect suggestion, a band that I have loved for a long time and have been thinking about doing on this show. What record are we talking about today? All in All by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hell 77. Yeah. All in. Apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Apostrophe in. All. All in All is all we all are. So I want to break up our regular format just a little bit for this episode. I hope you all don't mind that. We're going to go a little bit lighter on the biographical information. And instead... I'm going to make one of my bold claims with this band. And then we're going to just spend the whole episode kind of discussing that claim and see if we can all agree on it at the end and try and listen to a little bit extra music than we normally do. So my claim is that Earth, Wind & Fire are 100% hands down the greatest band of all time. The I, I guess the only stipulation I would make is that I would separate written music and improvised music. So I don't know if I can really compare them to like Sun Ra or some of these great jazz bands. It's just fundamentally a different thing. But as far as composed, rehearsed music, Save. no one beats Earth, Wind & Fire. 
Sean, you seem to have forgotten it's that Papa Roach it. exists. <laughs> Whoa, Papa Roach. You know, I, I often do forget that Papa Roach exists, but be that as it may, I'm going to have to stand behind my statement. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see how I feel at the end. Okay, it's going to be a, a hard journey getting Peter Cook on board from Papa Roach to Earth, Wind, and Fire in one episode. <laughs> Sean, cut my life cut into his, pieces. Yeah, cut his opinion into pieces, Sean. All right. <laughs> yeah, cut my opinion into pieces, Sean. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and hear the first track off this dang album, the mega hit Serpentine Fire from 1977. Ooh, this is the fire. Woo! funk gods themselves the masters of polyrhythm the greatest band of all time how's everybody feeling about that song so far funky undisputed heat what's serpentine though that's what i'm talking about (laughs) what is what's a serpentine serpentine belt serpentines oh from a car looking like it's a rock (laughs) Mineral, gemstone. A dark green mineral consisting of hydrated magnesium silicate, sometimes mottled or spotted like a snake skin. Hmm. Okay. So they get it from serpentine Hmm. fire. Serpentine fire. Or it could be exercise. Maybe they're getting really hot from exercise. I mean, if you ever watched any live footage of this band, they definitely were getting their exercise in at live shows. None of them stopped moving at all the whole time. It's amazing. Shredding. Mm-hmm. That song was my favorite one on this album. What was that, Jeremy? Serpentine. That was my favorite song in this album. That's It's such a good song. I love it when a band's like biggest hits are still some of their best songs. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire's got plenty of slept-on deep cuts, but they have so many amazing hits. They're one of those bands that I've, I've played their stuff probably every wedding I've ever DJed, and the majority of any DJ gig period, and I don't get sick of any of it. Even the, like, the biggest hits. I'll listen to September any old day. I don't even care. It's so good. They got hits. They really got hits forever. Mm-hmm. When you can have two volumes, greatest hits... Greatest Hits Part 1, Part 2. That's how you know you got hits. And uh, September was just an extra track they dropped on their Greatest Hits compilation, too. That's what's crazy about it. Wow, really? They're just like, we need another one? Yeah, here you go. Like, here's all of our hits plus our new biggest hit ever. Like, no big deal. <laughs> on our Greatest Hits album. <laughs> they, they... <laughs> yeah, you played that one yeah. at my wedding, Sean. Yeah. September. I mean, it's just, you can't you can't be mad at that song. September. I mean, if you can't if you can't get down with Earth, Wind, and Fire, you're obviously dead inside. So it's a safe pick. That is a true, true fact. True, I can't trust you. I disagree. <laughs> I'm dead inside, and I enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> I guess that's the the, that's the possibility. So I want to know real quick uh, what's everybody's history and association with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Peter, you want to start? Well, I've definitely known their name for a long time. Uh, but on December 21st, 2017, a friend of mine named Sean Hartman, also known as DJ Hardbargain, made a post on Facebook that said, can we all just agree that Earth, Wind & Fire is the greatest mm-hmm. band of all time? Ooh. And I thought, I trust Sean's opinion. I should look into them more. And I, I at some point I picked up the Best of Earth, Wind, and Fire, Volume 1. Is yep. that what it's called? The, yeah, I picked that one up, and that's pretty much what I know what's on that album. Fantasy from this album is right. on that compilation, which I don't think you're going to feature today, but that I is know. another big There's hit. just every track on here is good. I'd play the whole record <laughs> if I could. But that's about it. That's that's kind of what I know, more or less, and I'm glad that you're making me mm-hmm. check out an album. Uh, Jeremy? What's what's your association? I I am even more ignorant than Peter in so far that I knew the song Shining Star and September and that's about it. So today was my first time listening to an entire Earth Wind and Fire record. Okay. And, and how are you feeling so far with your new exposure? It kind of shattered my perception of them because in my mind they were like an am gold band that Mm -hmm. just did like a little bit more soulful a&m gold kind of material but that's like not at all what they actually are and really i think the thing that shocked me most was like the musicianship Um, yeah because they were just like a pop band in my mind but like they clearly are like elite level players like all of the dudes in the band so yeah like you you couldn't get in this band unless you were top of your game there's so many people that were in this group and then left to make successful solo careers because everybody in this group that's ever been in this group is star quality it's it's absurd the level of talent that's in this group trevor i'm assuming you probably have a little bit more knowledge and history of this group seeing as how you suggested this album for this episode but you want (laughs) to break it down for us real quick uh yeah i love earth wind and fire that's one of the earlier earliest groups i remember listening to earth wind my parents liked them a lot so i listened a lot growing up and then i liked them too 
I like I had the um, can't hide love. I had that record when I started getting the the records, mm-hmm. buying records. Yeah, and I like that one a lot. Yeah, just grew up Earth, Wind, and Fire. Know a lot of their songs. Yeah, and then uh, and when it comes to all the Earth, Wind, and Fire albums, though, I like all in all the most though because uh, okay. all my I feel like they just had the most hits on that one back to back on that on this album. Yeah, at least for me that I that I knew and that I liked. You know, Love's Holiday. I'll write a song for you. That's my favorite. So oh, yeah, by them. There's, and then uh, there's so many good tracks on this record. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so I was like all in all the most of all their albums. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, people seem to be pretty divided on which ones their favorites. You know, you could hear people make convincing arguments that Spirit's their best record. You could hear people saying that That's the Way of the World is their best record. That one might be my favorite personally. That's the Way of the World from '75. Way of the World. But yeah. You know, they have such an impressive string of records here in this mid-period. They started to kind of change their sound and get some of their uh, regular players in 73 for the Head to the Sky album. And then mm-hmm. the, the seven records they dropped after it are all absolutely incredible for anybody that wants to dive in. So you got Head to the Sky in 73, Open Our Eyes in 74, That's the Way of the World, and Gratitude both in 75. And oh, then gratitude. Spirit, yeah, Gratitude is crazy. Uh, Spirit in 76, All in All in 77, that we're talking about. And then they followed that with I Am in 79, Faces in 1980, which is a really slept on record of theirs. And Maurice White has actually said that that's his favorite of their that's records. A really good one. Yeah. Kaleidoscope album cover, right? In, in my mind, those eight records are all basically flawless. Yeah. They're going crazy on them. <laughs> mm hmm. So I, I've really loved this band for a long time. You know, when I first started getting into funk music, they were a group I was collecting a lot of their records. And I actually kind of remember early on having a interesting exposure to Earth, Wind & Fire. I was probably like a young teenager at this point and still in the phase of, you know, I like classic soul Motown stuff, but any of that 70s and 80s funk stuff with synthesizers is cheesy and I'm not into it. And then I remember like, flipping channels living at my parents house and coming across which i think was a pretty late period earth wind and fire concert and then just watched some of it and was like i don't know if i like this music but this band is really tight and then all of a sudden the guitar player just steps out throws the guitar behind his head and just rips this crazy funky solo while the whole band is still just shredding and i was like okay there's something here <laughs> like this band is definitely worth taking a second chance on, even though I don't think I like this kind of music. And, you know, they've since gone on to be one of my absolute favorite bands. And like Peter said, I've got history making this bold claim. Greatest band of all time. I'm I'm ready yeah. to lay it down. I was kind of surprised. I thought you were just saying that today. Peter said you brought that up years ago. No, I, I've been saying it. <laughs> I, yeah. Been saying that. As soon as he said it, I pulled up, I Facebook stalked him and pulled up the post from, you know, two and a half right. years ago just to prove that I thought he's I was trying to find when I had posted that, but I was like, no, that's too long ago. I can't do that. So I'm glad you put the work <laughs> in, Peter. <laughs> yeah, you just had to remember that you had me on your podcast and I would you know, undoubtedly do that. I'm glad you're here. That's, that's why we hired you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember those things. I see a claim like that. I store it away mm-hmm. in the old memory bank. Well, let's go ahead and hear a second track. Um, I want to play the song Jupiter. That might be my favorite on the record, but I don't know. There's so many hits. It's so good. 
We have a Tori Amos song, mm-hmm. right? That's that's oh. the one. Oh, did you guys did you guys did you guys catch that? Talking speaking of nineties alt, you guys hear that? You think uh, Oasis was maybe listening to this song to Serpentine Fire? Oh, the first really was there some Oasis? You hear, you hear the you hear the lyrics? You hear what he says in the lyrics? I, I just noticed that. I was like, he was like, what did he say? Tell the story, morning glory. Oh yeah, like, totally. They might have been uh. Might have been listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Who knows? I bet they were. I mean, if you were alive <laughs> in 77, how could you not hear that song? Yeah. Yeah, it was all over the radio. Gallagher brothers were trying to yep. be the White brothers. Trying. Be... <laughs> trying trying yeah. very unsuccessfully. No one can top them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My man, Only Papa Maurice Rose. White with the falsetto, though. Greatest falsetto out oh, yeah. in the 70s. I was, was going to say the falsetto's... The falsetto is one of my favorite. The elements. falsetto is usually Philip Bailey, though I gotta say, is Philip Bailey with it? Yeah, oh, okay. Philip Bailey was was the uh, the falsetto, and Maurice White was like the little bit kind of uh, gruffer mid range vocal style. Oh, okay, singing most of the main verses. But, and but stuff. the thing is, with this group, is like everybody in the group was lead singer quality vocalist, so most of yeah, their songs harmonies. are harmony. You yeah. know, I just I have a counterpoint, Sean. Okay. In in preparation of this episode, I watched Denise Williams Diva Stories season two, episode two. Okay. Where right? she was okay. talking about <laughs> All right. <laughs> she was talking about being on a plane with Maurice White because she was opening for Earth, Wind and Fire at the time and mm-hmm. Maurice White was producing her album. And they're in this private plane flying somewhere and they hit some turbulence and it takes a dip. And she claimed that Maurice White hit a note higher than her or Minnie Ripperton had ever hit in their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Ned Flanders. (laughs) That'll do it. Yep. Recorded it on the plane. Yep. Wow, what a deep find. Yeah, yeah. That is a, Maurice. No, Denise Williams. Yeah, Diva Story Stories podcast? on YouTube. Diva Stories. Okay. Diva Stories. I'll have to dig oh. into that. Denise mm. Williams rips, by the way. We got to cover some Denise Williams on this show at some point. Yeah, shout out Denise. Mm-hmm. Like I know her. <laughs> My bud. So, Go way so back. Denise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for real though, Jeremy, can you play that song Jupiter for us? Anyways, here's Jupiter. Hey, Denise.
a few months ago, I was listening to the Genesis album Abacab, mm-hmm. and there were some horns on one of the tracks, and I thought, those are clearly synthesized horns. I happened to look at the credits, only to find out that it was the Phoenix horns, the Earth, Wind, and Fire yeah. horns, and they're just so perfect that they almost sound like they're not being played by yep. humans. And, and I feel like that, that track that we just listened to, Jupiter, also had that sound. That You know, that is one of the main bases for my argument that this is the greatest band of all time because when you listen to these records every instrument is so perfectly and flawlessly played that even though there's literally 57 musicians playing on this record it still sounds just so clean and so perfectly executed yeah it doesn't sound jumbled at all no and like, how could it not sound jumbled when there's literally 57 <laughs> musicians on this record? Yeah, that's insane. Not only really. it's just wild. yeah, not only not jumbled, but like it's clear and feels like tight and without like uh, excessive ornament. I would say. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just- One thing I was thinking about with this record, especially, is previously when we've covered some of the funk classics Peter has specifically talked about how a lot of those records don't hold up as a as an album listen you get a little bit bored going through some funk records all the way through cuz it's the same thing over and over again earth wind and fire nailed the album concept from very early on their records are so engaging and they have so much dynamic and i love the interludes on here we heard a little yeah. bit of that yeah. interlude before jupiter the in the marketplace that just make the album so much more listenable and offers up for repeat listens i mean i've probably played this album like 10 times in the last week and loved it every time yeah it's definitely a rush going through it yeah i feel it has to be an like a production and engineering feat to make that many musicians i mean i think their playing is also (laughs) obviously crucial but in the 70s to be making that many musicians come together on record and, and sound so good um who's who's producing this Maurice White. Okay, so it is the main the main man. Yeah, co-produced by uh, his brother, Verdine White, the bassist, and also co-produced by Larry Dunn, the piano and synthesizer mm. player. Self-produced. Um, so it's all self-contained. Wow. Yep. They were big self-producers. Maurice White co-produced, I think, every just about every Earth, Wind, and Fire record. Wow. Let me just give you a couple Maurice White facts real quick that kind of blow my mind when I was thinking about this and researching for this episode. So before earth, wind and fire was formed, Maurice white was already a Grammy award-winning million records selling jazz drummer. I don't know if any of you guys were aware of that. Mm -mm. Maurice white was, he was a house drummer for chess records. So he played on a ton of the, the music coming out of chess records. So he was a house musician alongside Phil Upchurch. They were both part of the house band back in the day, cutting records for Etta James and the Rotary Connection and stuff like that. And then Maurice was in a short-lived but highly sought-after group called the Pharaohs. I have an original pressing of one of their records that's like one of my prized possessions. And then he joined the Ramsey Lewis Trio Hmm. in 1966, and he was in that group for three years, just cutting these crazy records, which is also why the Ramsey Lewis record Sun Goddess is basically 
Ramsey Lewis plus Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're the backing band on all the songs on that record. <laughs> oh, man. Earth, yeah. Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Also, like, here's, here's another thing that kind of blows my mind about Maurice White. So he is, like, the man, you know? He was, he was set on being a drummer in these groups. And then the initial incarnation of the group called the Salty Peppers, where they had a different singer and he was the drummer, that kind of fell apart. So then he moved into the lead vocalist role in this group, but still did a lot of percussion and production. So he knows how to do all this stuff. He has the formula. He has all the connections. And then a few years into the group, he still then decides to hire a second lead singer. Like, how many frontmen of his caliber have the humility to just be like, no, I want someone else to share the spotlight with me, and I'm going to let them sing lead on, like, half the songs now? Right. Like, who does that? Yeah, that's insane. And that's Philip Bailey? Yeah, that Philip he, Bailey. He brought in. Yep, famous for doing a lot of the ballads and a lot of the high-pitched stuff. And a lot of their songs are just harmonies between the two of them and other members of the group. Because that's the other thing. Pretty much everybody in Earth, Wind, and Fire could have been the lead singer of their own band. Yeah. Like all these guys are great folks. Yeah, they all could sing. It's wild. They could sing while they were like dancing up a storm too. Yeah. Like how how that album, like they're all harmonizing, playing like crazy improvisation and like these like long, like complex songs and just never missing a note. Yeah. It's like that's just yeah. a crazy live album. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing I said that it's hard to compare them to improvised groups, but at the same time, most of the people in Earth, Wind, and Fire were from a jazz background and could right. improvise right. with the best of them too. Mm-hmm. Like all those funk bands back in the day, they all just extremely good jazz players. Like, yeah, jazz totally. Fans. And a lot of the a lot of those funk groups would have jazz cuts on their albums, like Cool and the Gang was doing mm-hmm. that. You know, Brass Construction, right. uh, Brick, some of those classic funk groups for sure. Mm-hmm. Iceman's Band. Mm-hmm. Power mm-hmm. Power. A future podcast <laughs> record that uh, Peter's going to be dropping. Some foreshadowing there. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of classic period of Earth, Wind & Fire started in 1975 with their album, That's the Way of the World. And that was because it was the first record that was co-produced by a guy named Charles Stepney, Hmm. who before that had done production and songwriting work with The Dells, Terry Collier, Minnie Ripperton, and The Rotary Connection. He already had this experience doing these kind of lush, slightly psychedelic string arrangements with these other groups working in Chicago. And then when he joined up with Earth, Wind & Fire, he helped them make a more lush sound with a lot of extra musicians and extra strings and everything. But you still had, you know, that Maurice White co-production, keeping it all tight and keeping it all interesting. That association highly informed all the records that they did after that. They just kind of kept exploring this huge band, but still super tight sound. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the sludge punk band Flipper were inspired by Earth, Wind & Fire? And they, that's why they did, they did the song, That's the Way of the World? probably maybe it's like oasis <laughs> yeah they're all listening to good. earth wind and fire back then like mm-hmm. all just came up on figuring it out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised gonna catch them all at yeah. the earth wind and fire concert like, oh, <laughs> yep. is that noel gallagher <laughs> he had to have been there somewhere you know yeah also 
one thing I was reading as to the Earth, Wind, and Fire stage setup, which was a, a whole legendary thing in and of itself. Their concerts were a whole spectacle. You know, the band had just crazy outfits, were dancing and playing these songs flawlessly live. And they went so far with their stage show to hire magicians to travel with them. Part of their stage show during this phase of the 70s was they had this huge pyramid-shaped spaceship that was on a riser behind the drums. And part of their their stage show for the end of their set was they were just kind of vamping on the song Getaway. And then one by one, the band members would go up the riser and go into this pyramid and disappear. Because the the magician that they had with them operating this like live disappearing act on show was also training a young David Copperfield at that time. Yeah. So. <laughs> like David Copperfield was helping Earth, Wind, and Fire disappear on stage every night in the 70s. Yeah. It just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you sent, that, you sent that live video from Japan last night, and I was watching that and then suddenly realized what was happening and was like, wait, they're already amazing musicians and then they're magicians? I know. Yeah. It just keeps going. Well, yeah, that's probably the best Earth, Wind & Fire fact I've ever heard. Yeah. Got to admit, <laughs> some great Earth, Wind & Fire trivia going on right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one thing I've been kind of thinking about with this group is like, you know, they're obviously a huge band. They've sold over 90 million records. They've got awards from basically every institution that could give them. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're in the, the Singer-Songwriter Hall of Fame. You know, they've got, the, they've got the Image Award. They've got Lifetime Achievement Awards. They've got a bunch of Grammys. Everybody's at least heard an Earth, Wind & Fire song. But I feel like I rarely hear people talking about this band in the context of how talented they were and the yeah. level of musicianship that was going on. It's kind of like, oh yeah, like I like September or I like Shining Star, like that band's cool. But it, it's never beyond that. You know, yeah. you never hear them talked about in the way that some of these big white classic rock bands are. Like everybody knows the names of the members of the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and can give you facts about them and stuff like that. But you're lucky if people even know the name Maurice White from Earth, Wind & Fire. They couldn't tell you anything else going on about that group. And I wonder how much of that is generational. You know, we're we're kind of a little ways beyond the point where this group was blowing up the radio. And how much of it is also just a society thing. We talked about with uh, Jeremy and Peter and I growing up in a much more white yeah. kind of world. Like, we just heard these songs in passing sometimes. It wasn't like a part of our culture as much. Yeah, I think, I think it does have a lot to do with that. Because if you ask any black person who earth wind and fire is they're going to tell you and they're probably going to tell you like their favorite song by the same with isley brothers and it also induces mm -hmm. a different type of like in, in nostalgia you know listening to that type of music or, or understanding that type of music that probably hasn't that probably couldn't be taken in by people who didn't grow up around that type of stuff but that's probably yeah. the same way with uh i don't know like Joni mitchell or something like that too you know with white people like Somebody who's like, oh, you never listened to Joni Mitchell? Or, oh, you never listened to, <laughs> I don't know, some some band. Oasis? Bread? Yeah, Oasis. <laughs> so I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, like my parents weren't listening to that. That's the same thing with, uh, yeah. same thing with Earth, Wind & Fire. It's same, you know, it's just, yeah, it's all, yep, my. it's just, you know, whatever you were brought up on, you know, you're probably going to listen to stuff or have more, like, 
uh, more of a stronger feeling towards that type of stuff. Then. Yeah, it's it's taken me a long time to actually listen to Joni Mitchell her albums because my mom just listened to her greatest hits a bunch when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were brought up with it, but also it kind of ruined it a little bit. You know, for a while, but you yeah. got to grow up at some point, right? For sure. Hey. So one thing that kind of interested me starting to do some reading and even just going through the Wikipedia page for Earth, Wind & Fire is that critically, a lot of people have said a lot of the same things that we're talking about. VH1 said that they might be the greatest band of all time. Rolling Stone has talked about how they're just this incredible next level band that fused effortlessly all these different musical styles and completely changed the course of black music in general because of their influence. Also apparently influenced Oasis and a lot of white groups who probably will never acknowledge the influence. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're sampled a ton in hip hop too. True, true. That's actually my Tupac connection for this, and, and I don't think you're planning on playing this song, but I'll write a song for you from this album was sampled in the fade out of the Tupac track, Hold On, Be Strong, from his okay. posthumous album, Are You Still Down, Remember Me. So, you know, right. it's and that's just one example. They've been sampled a lot. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. Also, fun fact, the legendary Dorothy Ashby is playing harp on some of this record. Oh, really? Any of you guys familiar with her? Yeah, she's from Detroit. She, yeah. She played on uh the year before this album, she played on um Songs in the Key of Life, The Goat, Stevie Wonder. Yep. Yep. Bring it wow. It's magic. Mm-hmm. She's great. Dorothy Ashby is one of those players where like her any of records with her name on it are incredible but quite expensive. But she was also did a lot of session work and honestly I would be shocked if you found a record that Dorothy Ashby was on that wasn't good. So keep an eye out for that name. She'd be going crazy on them. Hip heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I did a little bit of digging into some of the regular players with Earth, Wind and Fire. Because I feel like oftentimes, especially with these huge funk bands, the members were kind of interchangeable and it's hard to lock down a consistent lineup. But I was surprised to find that a lot of the key players in Earth, Wind and Fire were in it for the long haul which also probably explains that, you know, eight records in a row that are all basically flawless. One of the main guys is their main guitarist, Al McKay, who was in a group called the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band right before joining Earth, Wind & Fire. Mm. So he already had experience with that, like, crazy just perfect ice pick guitar sound that he was just doing those funky lines perfectly just accenting every note the right way and keeping that vamp going just keeping that groove alive staying in the pocket mm -hmm. absolutely incredible guitarist i love all of his work on here and then also there are actually three white brothers that are in earth wind and fire you got maurice white producing everything writing the songs playing uh, doing vocals also playing drums and the infamous kalimba then you got his brother fred on drums and his brother verdine white doing the assistant production, some more vocals, and the electric bass. And another thing is, Verdine White was listed by Bass Player Magazine as the 27th greatest bass player of all time. I'm he should be higher than that. List. because he's He should be higher than that, but at the same time, just like he's being recognized as this amazing bass player, and most people of a certain background or generation probably don't know his name. Yeah, 
Yeah, in that live video that you sent to uh, for us to watch last night, he rips what's essentially a one-note bass solo, and there's a few more notes in there, but he somehow makes it work, and then he starts flying sideways halfway through it. Yeah, that was the other thing. That was part of their like magic act, is they would have these levitation things set up for different band members that the audience didn't see. So you're just focused on this guy playing all of a sudden like, holy shit, he's in the air and still soloing. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was out of this world. I was like, uh, I was liked him on um, Devotion, the Gratitude version, mm-hmm. like the live version. Yeah, like uh, that bass line. Like the way it sounds on that That's... recording is crazy. Like live like mm-hmm. that, yeah. And that's the thing that I love about this. When you watch their live footage or play through these records, a lot of the guys will take solos, but they never sound flashy. Every solo perfectly serves the song. And like you were saying, Peter, Verdine would rip these like one note solos that were still (laughs) so impressive, you know, just like perfectly funky. Yeah. Love it. It's our solo on uh, That's the Way of the World. Like Mm -hmm. the uh, that one. Very, very just like, you know. Very low key, very subtle. Nothing. Not, it's not like he's not like going crazy. Not too technical or anything. It's just about that timing, you know, mm-hmm. like just that timing of just in, and hitting those right notes for that right amount of time. Like I love solos like that, you know. Yeah, they're not like definitely. They're not sh- like they're shredding, but like they're not like shredding. You know, it's just a very powerful solo i think that's the stuff that drew me to neil young as a guitarist when i was younger exactly. too i was just thinking Definitely. of who i was thinking of too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his solo on on the beach neil young was that last night like yeah that <laughs> yeah it's crazy love me some tasteful shred some taste. so one other thing i really love about earth wind and fire which is a good introduction for another song is that even the slow songs kind of slap that's like one of the weakest aspects of a lot of these funk groups is when they did those really cheesy ballads. It just never seems like it fits on the record. Like the the music is often kind of watered down and it's it's like strictly there just for the lead singer to kind of roll over it. But when Earth, Wind & Fire does a slow song, it's still funky as hell. Oh, yeah, and they... I think the perfect example of that is the song Love's Holiday on this record, if you want to cue that one up, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, this one was sampled, speaking of, hip-hop artists who have sampled earth wind and fire this was sampled by hurricane chris in 2007 on his track <laughs> play as rock Hurricane <laughs> <laughs> okay, chris all right duh who didn't know that hey, hey. peter <laughs> <laughs> If I kiss, if I held you tight In the morning light, yeah Would you mind If I said how I felt in the lead tonight Found his way. 
probably upset a few of you co-hosts and maybe listeners out there but I feel like in that song when I heard it I was like oh this is what Steely Dan was trying to do with their entire sound and just couldn't actually make it accessible man I don't know where to start with that I mean I will agree that Steely Dan was was probably influenced by this but I love me some Steely Dan and I mean, hits. while they're obviously not as good of a band as Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think they still did a great job imitating them. They they did a good job at hiring people <laughs> as good as Earth, Wind, yeah. and Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, shade, guns. no shade to my man, Walter Becker, though. R.I.P. the GOAT. True. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Steely Dan, they got some hits. No doubt. They do, yeah. Also, a lot of their hits were directly because they just hired they basically hired all of the Crusaders. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, well, and they, they just had like the Crusaders as their backing band for a lot of that stuff too. Oh, that's so who it how was. Could you go Crusaders. wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who was also what's, what's your name oh, from Toto? Doing that on Katie Lied. We're not talking about Steely yeah. right now, though. What's his name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they they snap. What's Ocaro? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Peter, how are you feeling about Earth, Wind, and Fire so far? Have we convinced you greatest band of all time yet? What's up? How are you feeling? I'm, I'm not hearing any flaws in the portion of the catalog that I'm hearing on this episode. I guess my question is, do they? Uh, you said that you saw a performance of a later era, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that you weren't as into. Is, are they not like the Chambers Brothers, where they just have a 100% flawless catalog, despite being the greatest band of all time? Um... They kept going for a long time, and I have definitely not heard every Earth, Wind, and Fire record, but a lot of the key players of the group left after Faces in 1980, and then um, Rays and Powerlight and Electric Universe are not as well-remembered of records, but I can't say I'm overly familiar with them. So okay. I'm sure there's some hits on there. Trevor, I don't know if you're more familiar with those records. What's the uh, what's the one from the 80s, the um, Earth, Wind, and Fire album with the big huge statues on the front that's like the last that's the last one with the hits i feel like the, uh that's probably that's probably raised from 81 Ray's 81 it's got like a big statues on the yeah, front that's what what's the right, song what's but the it, it's like half that? of it looks old and half of it looks like futuristic yeah uh, you got let's groove on there yeah let's um, groove tonight yeah yeah i think that yeah was, that was probably the last that yeah, I think that one has some kind of slow points, but that still has some killer songs on it. Let's mm-hmm. Groove is an awesome song. Yeah. Were they one of those bands that was kind of 
hit with the 80s electronic thing and just like couldn't compete in that space or what happened? You know, I'm not quite sure why they were kind of falling off during that time period. I know like some members left to pursue solo careers. I know that Maurice White was battling Parkinson's and that was really affecting the level that he could put into this group later on. Hmm. After like the mid to late 80s, he only like sometimes appeared with the group from what I understand. And when he passed in 2016, that was after like a very long battle with Parkinson's. So I think there was a lot of factors going into this, but I, I don't have like a clear knowledgeable answer of what happened to Earth, Wind and & Fire. But yeah, they... And, and I, I listened to some of the tracks on like Power Light from 83 when they're going into a more full synthesizer sound. And, and there's some interesting elements there, but it doesn't quite have the same power as, you know, like all in all in their like mid to late 70s material. And, and yet Maurice White was still with them at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then as far as their early records, like Need of Love, Self Titled, and uh, Last Days in Time. Those records are really good. I like them. It just doesn't have the classic sound, and you can still tell they're kind of searching for what they were trying to do. Uh, because that's the other thing that's really important about this group is that they weren't trying to just be classified as one style of music. And that's one thing you'll see with a lot of the critical response to their music is they're combining Latin influences here they're combining traditional african influences funk and jazz and rock and fusion and just making these perfect songs it's just that like they couldn't help but be so funky with whatever style of music that they were embracing that they're just a funk band yeah but when it really comes down to it they're just they're just the greatest band of all time they straight up had that folk rock ballad on this album the straight folk rock Mm -hmm. ballad straight 12 string guitar intro on this album like <laughs> i don't know i don't know when we're getting to it but that's yeah like they're they're covering a lot of ground as a band most mm-hmm. definitely for sure for sure mm-hmm. a lot of people have talked about how they're really influenced by james brown and sly and the family stone and parliament you know, they, they borrow some elements from a lot of those guys, but I think they took all of that stuff and then added in all these other influences that those groups weren't even working with. That they weren't even- And then just brought, a, yeah, and then just combine it with a level of musicianship and dedication that none of the other groups could really achieve and just, just elevated the entire art form beyond what anybody else had been capable of previously. Yeah, they kind of moved off of, from that. Because, I mean, I bet I guess by like by the time That's the Way of the World came out, like those people mentioned, they kind of were on like that waning period of their careers almost. Maybe, what, like James Brown and Sly and them, like mid-70s, they have kind of like, I mean, they still were big, but they weren't like... They're kind of hitting that that kind of faltering point because they had that they had some, for sure yeah they kind of had that longevity from like mid late sixties to like early mid seventies then Earth Wind and Fire yeah they're like they they kind of took all of that and just made it as like a real like mainstream pop outlook because I mean I know mm-hmm. I know that Sly and like James Brown they were they were huge artists but they weren't huge artists on like the Billboard top 200 they're, they're big artists on, on that on like the r&b and soul charts you know yeah no, none of them had the crossover appeal yeah. that earth wind and fire did 
I think something like they were the first black group to have a number one album and a number one song at the same time or something along that. It's like on like the actual just straight billboard top charts mm-hmm. kind of thing. So they had huge crossover appeal. Right. And, you know, I think that could be theorized that a lot of their stuff wasn't, it wasn't quite as political seeming as a lot of their contemporaries, but at the same time, you know, they were really heavy into this like Afrofuturism vibe yeah. and the, you know, elevating black musicians and black voices and kind of thing in a, in a way that a lot of other groups weren't pulling off to the same extent. Yeah. Definitely um, put it into a different perspective with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real good stuff. And they also had the obligatory sci-fi themes for funk bands. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're into some crazy stuff. Astrology too. That big astrology band. Who else was doing that? Yep. Who else? Who else was? Who else was touching down on the astrology back then? In their in their stuff. I mean. I have an band. admission. I mean, everybody was called. Oh, what's I, up? What's I assumed Earth, Wind, and Fire was like three dudes who were the singers of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel, Peaches and Cream, Earth, Peter Wind, Ball and Fire. Mary. Yeah. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Earth, and it wasn't until today that I learned that it's uh, an astrology thing. Yeah. Yeah, those are the three elements of Maurice White's astrological sign. Heck yeah, he's a fire sign like your boy. for whatever that's worth yep yep i thought it was like an avatar the last airbender thing yeah he was a firebender (laughs) (laughs) fire lord maurice (laughs) well uh trevor you want to you want to introduce that ballad you were mentioning earlier so we get that played out oh you're talking about i'll write a song for you quite possibly yeah let's let's go ahead and hear that one this is a great one. Talking about the uh, Bailey, I didn't know him. Yeah, Philip Philip Bailey. Philip Bailey. The, okay. This is a, a perfect Philip Bailey showcase. He's taking the lead on this one, yeah, showing that incredible falsetto range. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that was him. I thought that was Maurice all these years. Philip Bailey, man. I know. I I only realized like honestly six months ago that. Earth, Wind, and Fire had two lead singers. Mm, yeah, I didn't know that. I thought I was just him. I was like, dang, dude. Slow me down. <laughs> but, all right. Yeah, I'll write a song for you. The ballad. And just like the gra- – also the structure in these songs on this album, just like Love's Holiday, even though I thought Love's Holiday was after the love is gone. I don't know why I thought – you know how, how like you think one song is like a verse of like the verse and then you think – the chorus to that song but it's actually another song you know what i'm talking about like yeah i thought it was like would you mind and then it goes to after the love is gone you know oh but, yeah totally yeah, it's like two separate songs but i don't know but still the structure on this album is crazy like this like this song i like because it's got that that build up to it you know everybody's kind of comes in gradually and it really like builds mm-hmm. up to a nice climactic ending but yeah i'll write a song for you very slept on Earth, Wind, and Fire song. This was the one that was sampled on Tupac's Hold On, Be Strong. All right, Jeez, perfect. Pack. It's good enough for Tupac. Mm-hmm. 
thirst but never quench I know the consequence Feeling as I do We're in a spinning top They're telling me will it stop And what am I to say Open a music book that only few can look And I'll write a song for you It just keeps fire. going from there too. Yep. Yep. Gotta hear that for yourself. That's too much heat for the podcast. You gotta put that on for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta go do your own research. <laughs> right. You gotta put the headphones on <laughs> for that one. But yeah. But once again, you know, they're they're taking it all the way down to that straight up folk ballad, and it's still just so interesting and so funky. Mm-hmm. Those little changes they're doing there, the the string section, all the backing vocals, yeah. it's just so tasty. And it's so well done. The lyrics are just not like those general it's a love song sure but it's not those general like i love you lyrics very like yeah. metaphoric very you know mm-hmm. talking about the way the, like the stuff he mentions or or i don't know just stuff he uses to symbolize you know what he what he wants or what he's trying to say like towards a person that he loves crazy stuff that's why you know it's the, it's, the, it's the little things, the little things. Also, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. I don't know. I don't really prepare anything like that. It's just, I was going to say one more time that, you know, they're just like the pinnacle of that era of just the black band from the 70s, early 80s. Where we kind of we saw the end of that a little bit. And uh, I think it's just important to kind of show that that era or kind of acknowledge that era of, of music, how people were actually worked back then, musicians. Because uh, mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with, like, I don't want to be one of those people, you know, music today. But it's just, <laughs> like, that, that was, it was just different then, you know. <laughs> it was just way different then than it is nowadays. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the music industry and the world in general was very different. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to recreate an Earth, Wind, and Fire I mean, there, there's obviously very talented musicians doing things in a very different way that needs to be acknowledged today. But I think it's important to really, you know, understand the roots of, of all this and not let some of these bands just kind of 
forgotten into a like oh yeah like they had a few good songs i suppose i like that group but just acknowledge like no these are these are the gods right here yeah these are the greats <laughs> like they, they killed it yep yeah like of of that past past century like that yep so i have one quick piece of uh, earth wind and fire trivia to drop on you guys and then we can listen to some more music but uh so their huge 75 album that's the way of the world People don't realize that that was actually a film score that they did, which I'd always kind of wondered about because if you have the record, it says a soundtrack on there. And then I looked into that and it was a film that came out in 75 starring Harvey Keitel that was about, you know, a producer working with this up and coming band and the band was played by Earth, Wind and Fire and they did the whole score for it. And then the band saw a early cut of the movie before it came out and we're like oh shit this movie sucks it's gonna bomb <laughs> so they fucking early dropped this album and had a like triple platinum success with the album before the movie came out and no one even knows about the movie anymore but they still know that record Damn, smack. that's a trip I freaking smacked however that's- you can tell <laughs> i know it's so badass like there's so many stories of hidden or lost albums that would have been big under the right context but got associated with the wrong thing or you know all this kind of stuff and i love that they were hit with that scenario and then still made it work it's so legendary Mm -hmm. took it into their own hands Mm -hmm. just like got paid for it too right (laughs) that was directed by the guy who did superfly oh wow sig shore hmm you know, and I, I can't say if the movie's actually good or not. It it uh, seems to have been just mostly entirely forgotten. It wasn't well received at its time. I don't know if that's worth revisiting or not. I cannot say. But uh, got to go. track it down. Got to track it down. <laughs> so we talked about how Earth, Wind, and Fire's got those jazz chops, and I want to hear some of the song "Running" on here because that that is a perfect example of how jazzy this group can actually get. Was this the one with the where they featured the one note bass solo in the live performance? I think it was, but yeah, this, this song is crazy because it's so tight, just like everything else. But if you really listen to all the instruments and what's going on, it's kind of mind blowing how intricate and how good this song is. Let's hear it. Bye. 
Well, there it is. We've presented our arguments. We've listened to some just absolute fire tracks. We've given you the Earth, Wind, and Fire trivia. And, you know, even if you don't agree with us that they are the greatest band of all time, I hope we've at least inspired you to maybe give them a second look, check out some albums, hear some uh, some deep cuts, and, uh, you know, maybe eventually you'll come around to understanding that they truly are the greatest band of all time. Peter and Jeremy, have, have we convinced you? Have, do you agree now? You have cut my opinion into pieces thoroughly. You've burned it with your fire. <laughs> that serpentine fire. Serpentine yeah. Fire. No more Papa Roach for me. All right. Straight earth, wind, and fire from now on. That's a start. Jeremy, what's up? I got to tell you the truth here. I can't really switch to that decision until I watch some live stuff. Okay. Which sounds like it's good. But I just haven't actually checked it out yet. So I feel like I need to dig in there, especially like putting them on the pedal still is like the greatest band. They have to be able to do it live in my mind. Well, so I'm going to be checking out. I can tell you right now, you will not be disappointed by any Earth, Wind, and Fire live footage, especially from this classic 70s period. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's so good. And there's a lot, there's a lot of live footage of this band on YouTube. Some bands you just can't find anything. There's tons of Earth, Wind, and Fire footage to be discovered. Yeah, this is one where they're like, uh, they're doing Boogie Wonderland, and they're the people with the trumpets. They're just doing these crazy tricks with the trumpets, like spinning them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't a lot of sh- showmanship. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I, I feel like that's like the last Earth, Wind, and Fire video I've seen, but that was a while ago. But that was crazy. Not. I mean, they're all shredding too, of course, but also just, you know, they're spinning those trumpets and I've never seen something like that. But yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, fire yeah I, 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 encourage, I encourage our listeners to also seek out live footage because it, watching that yesterday definitely elevated, you know, my opinion of them. It, they were already pretty high, but then to just see them do it live with such showmanship was just phenomenal out of this world. Like, you know, they'll yeah. take you to another place. Absolutely. Uh- and, you know, I, I've talked to some friends that have seen them live within like the last 10 years. And they said, even then, you know, way past their prime, it was still an incredible concert. Dang. Yeah. Still had it. And Maurice, Maurice is no longer with us, unfortunately. Right. No, he is not. But uh, Philip Bailey and Philip Bailey Jr. are both playing in the band, and Verdine White is still playing with the group. Nice. Well, Jeremy, we'll check back with you next week and see if you can agree with us. We can actually have a, a complete consensus from the I'd Buy That for a Dollar crew. that we, we have the number one greatest band of all time. I'd like to True. go out on the closing track. Does anybody have any last thoughts before we say our goodbyes? I would say to our listeners in like reading about this stuff again, I like stumbled back on Afrofuturism and that's a super interesting art movement to read up on and learn about Definitely. if you're unacquainted. So Absolutely. It uh, helps make sense of a lot of the sci-fi imagery and sounds. It gives it like a context and a meaning that you won't otherwise get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot deeper than uh, stuff looking cool. Yeah, it's not just like crazy looking stuff. Spaceships and shit. Even though that stuff's fun too. Absolutely. But But yeah, it's whole philosophy in there. 
I, I'm reading, I'm looking at the That's the Way of the World film, and it looks like Harvey Cattell's character's name was Coleman Buckmaster. So that's probably why they, uh, that's probably why they left him on the curb. I don't, yeah. But it looks like, well, if that's 75, uh, if that's 75, that means Harvey Cattell was in Taxi Driver a year earlier. So a year later, yeah. a year later. So he, he made it out all right. I'm now going to think that his character, Mr. White in Reservoir Dogs, was a reference to the Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I mean, dang. everything in Tarantino movies is referential, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. I'll get I'll get Harvey Cattell, and I'll call him Mr. White, and it'll be a reference to that Earth, Wind, and Fire movie he was yeah. in. <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire in the 70s. Yeah. Trevor, do you have any recommendations of similar bands or similar albums that people really love this and want to dig into some other stuff that they might not have heard before? Oh, man. Uh, what's this? 75. Uh, what's the Isley Brothers? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Go for Your Guns. That's the same year. 77. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah, I was about to say one. three plus th- anything. Three plus three. They had that little hot period, too. Like at that time. Anything by Isley Brothers, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anything else too? I was thinking we got to oh, uh, oh, we got to get some eyes. Oh, what's um, in. what's cool in the gang's uh, album with Summer Madness and you don't have to change. What's that one? Um, Light of the Earth. Something wait, their '74 album. Also, uh, I I'm always getting cool in the gang records mixed together because they have so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, their record from. They did two records in 75 and 76, Spirit of the Boogie and Open Sesame, that I really, really like. Nice, yes. What? Light of the World. Light of Worlds. Light of Worlds. Light of Worlds from 74. That's one I don't have, actually. That's a great one. But Cool and the Gang is awesome. Definitely worth looking into. And they kind of had a little bit of that Afrofuturism going on. You can see it in like their uh, Spirit of the Boogie album cover and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another group that I mentioned earlier that I really like is Brass Construction. Mm. I feel like they were a funk group that had that just killer horn section similar to Earth, Wind, and Fire. So if that's an element that stood out to you, check out some Brass Construction. And then also, as was mentioned, Maurice White was doing a lot of production for other artists. Him and Charles Stepney had their own production company in the mid-70s called Kalimba Sound. And they did records for Denise Williams and for The Emotions and some other groups so anything produced by that crew during that time period is really really good nice nice yeah lots of good stuff late 70s yep there's a lot of hidden gems oh yeah prime time all right well i think we've set the record straight on the mighty earth wind and fire so let's go ahead and close it out with the last song of the album be ever wonderful thanks for listening uh my name is sean hartman my name is jeremy ruckles my name is Peter Cook. Trevor, do you have anything you want to plug while you're here with us? We, I think I bought, I loved your tape that you pu- uh, plugged on the last podcast, by the way. Same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got another one of those, too. It's called Silk. And it's on Free World Vessels Bandcamp right now. You can order a cassette, too. We're going to be uh, sending those out. And uh, it's kind of, it's, it's following the same kind of uh, concept as uh, the first one, We On Your Head. So if mm-hmm. you want to check that. That's uh, that's there. That's there. Yeah. Nice. Free World Vessel. Yeah, Free World Vessel. Bandcamp. Yep, on the Bandcamp. Yep. We're on Instagram, too. Yeah, and I, I love that other tape as well, so I'll definitely be ordering the next one and uh, recommend that all our listeners do as well. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yep. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you, Trevor. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been so fun. Absolutely. All right. Be Ever Wonderful by Earth, Wind, and Fire from their 1977 album, All in All. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Did you know that you can listen to us on Spotify? That's right. You can listen to us on the Spotify app when you're listening to all your other music. Just look for us at I'd Buy That for a Dollar. All of our episodes go up on there as soon as they're available. So check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Time is right for you tonight.